Amen. Thank you all for birthday blessing. We love you. Appreciate you. Hallelujah. Wasn't the worship team awesome this morning? It's so good to see uh, some new ones and some's been on team before. We're back up there. Just it just was just wonderful, and uh, we're excited about the future where God's carrying us. Amen. I really do believe uh, that God wanted me today to talk to you about prophecy. Uh, and I'm going to go to Revelation 19 and 10 and just read the B portion, really the last portion of that verse. Um, and it, I'm going to let you just remain seated for a change. How about that? You've been standing a bit. And it just simply says that the testimony of Jesus, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I know that we reference that sometimes around here because I think it's extremely important that we understand that the word testimony in Hebrew comes from a root word that means to duplicate or to repeat or to literally do it again. And uh, when you and I give testimony to something that Jesus Christ has done in anybody's life, particularly our own, then what you're really doing is you're charging the atmosphere, if I can say it that way, of expectancy and faith to believe God can do that same thing again. God's not limited to that thing, uh, but when we give that testimony, and I have experienced this now in my life so many times in ministry where I've gone to other places, even in this house, um, and when you give testimony, uh, we, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm sitting there looking at her, and I know I've mentioned her many times, but Mary Lee Barnes, wave Mary Lee. She's my hero. Um, but I had not been pastor here very long um, when we were, uh, I think we were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, and, and Mary Lee is the one that's done that artistic rendering of all the, the feasts depicted that we use every year when we talk about that, just, and uh, just, she's just a great artist. But at that time, I, I had never met her. I didn't know her. Uh, I didn't know very many people in, in the church. I didn't know who was a visitor, who was a member. But I remember on that night, I had given a testimony at the end of the service. I was giving a testimony about a lady that uh, was uh, from Nashville. And uh, I was preaching in a church in, uh, actually in Enigma. Anybody heard of Enigma? And I was preaching at a church there. I had been asked to come preach a revival. And, and uh, this is years, many years ago. And when I was there, just trying to make the story short, is the Lord on that particular night uh, healed this lady. Uh, her name was Sister Crook. And, uh, and so it was such a dramatic uh, healing. And to be honest with you, it was... Uh, not something that I was really kind of felt like I had the faith to believe for that night because while I was there ministering, my wife was in ICU in the hospital. And she was in there because of tracheal edema swelling in her windpipe. <clears throat> and uh, really they got to the point at one point where they were going to cut a, a stoma, open her, her trach, do a trach on her. And, uh, and I, most of you know I was a paramedic for 20 years, so I knew what was about to happen. And, man, it was just a real frightening time in our life. Of course, I was standing in the emergency room praying, and, and thank God they, it never got to that level. They was able to get, get oxygen in her. But it, she was like trying to breathe through a straw. And, uh, and so my mind as, a, as just a, as a guy was on my wife 
being in the hospital. And she actually encouraged me, you know, I was going to cancel the revival. I wasn't even going to go. And she said, no, it's close. You're not going far off. You know, I'm okay. You know, go ahead and go. You know, people expecting you to come. And I had never even met the pastor at this church. I had just went. And many, many years ago, my granddaddy had actually pastored uh, that church is what I understood. And that's, they wanted me to come. And, uh, but on that first night of that meeting, uh, God just moved in such a powerful way. And this lady was healed. We prayed for her and she was healed. And uh, I didn't realize that was going on that night. But I came to the revival the next night and came in. I was sitting on the front pew. And, a, and this lady came up to me and, and stood and walked, you know, faced me. And she said, uh, she said, you remember praying for me last night? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, my walker, my walker. That's how, just, that's how she started the conversation. And I was thinking, well, I don't have it. I hadn't seen it, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, what, and, she, and she said, no, you don't understand. She said, I've, I, have a, I had a degenerative bone disease. And it was, uh, uh, I couldn't walk hardly, with, I couldn't walk without the walker. And I'd been told it was going to get progressively worse, and then I would end up in the bed. My bones would begin to break, and then I would eventually at some point die from complications of that. And uh, she said, when I got up this morning, uh, I reached for my walker and stood up, and I had no pain. And uh, I had st total strength in my, in my legs and my body. And she was immediately and totally healed, and, and uh, it was just an amazing miracle. Uh, in fact, uh, I had just started uh, Cornerstone Church not many years prior to that, and we were going, uh, just going uh, new, 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 and... Uh, and so this lady that had the disease would walk around the block that she lived on. And the doctors told her the more you can do that, the stronger it'll make your muscles because your bones is what's given away and you'll be able to just last longer. Uh, so she was very regimented by walking that block. And, but, of course, she would walk like this with a walker. After the miracle, of course, she don't need the walker anymore and she don't use it. And she doesn't walk slow, she walks normal. And she still wanted to make her, she's customary of doing it every day at a certain time, she would, and she walked the block. And one of her neighbors saw her come by, the lady, and we ran back in the house and told her husband, Sister Crook just came by the house without her walking. And he said, hey, that ain't Sister Crook, you need to get your eyes, you know, that kind of deal. And he, she said, I'm telling you it was Sister Crook. And he said, you don't know what you're talking about. So she chased her down. And, and, of course, it was Sister Crook, and God had healed her. And, uh, and, and I remember that they came, Sister Crook came to my church. I was pastoring and gave her testimony. And uh, powerful. And that lady came with her, her neighbor. And that's how I know about all this. And we went back in the back after service and had a little fellowship. And I remember that neighbor lady came and sat right next to me. And she was eating her little food, and she was just looking me up and down, trying to figure out how this guy healed my neighbor. And of course, I didn't heal her. The Lord did. You understand? And, uh, you know, I, I should have quoted the thing like the apostle, you know, Paul and him said, you know, why do you stand here gazing as by our own strength or power we made hope this man that you see before you hold? You know what I'm saying? And, um, but, but I'm just telling you the power. So here, we was in here in, in this church, and I gave that testimony. And when I did, that night, Mary Lee walked forward with a walker. And uh, she came and stood right down here. And I, I didn't know what was wrong with her. Uh, uh, 
or anything. I'll let you tell it if you want to tell it. <laughs> Come up here. I get tired of telling it. I want to hear you tell it. Y'all come back next Sunday. I might preach, but we're going to have fun today. She is so sweet. She came up to me, what was it, last Sunday or two Sundays ago. And uh, anyway, she, she just an encourager. Just tell them what happened that night. Um, I was really, really feeling bad. I had about 102 feeder. Um, it was bent over on the walker. It, it was excruciating. I think it was the very first Feast of Tabernacles we had, it and it was the first night. Mm -hmm. And um, I had just been diagnosed with colon cancer and was in the middle of chemo and getting ready to have surgery. Okay. And um, he called for anybody who needed healing, so I came up. But it took me so long to get there that there was a long line. So I was probably a good 30 feet back, and the people at the end turned and looked at me and parted. So I hobbled on up a little further, and those people turned and looked, parted, until I was right up front, right under his nose, and he pretty much couldn't ignore me. <laughs> and um, he talked and talked, and he finally says, Darling, I see you there. I haven't forgotten. And I put my head down on my walker because I, I was just, I was ready to collapse. And he started praying for me. He didn't know what was wrong with me. He didn't know me. And um, I had already asked the, the elders of the church that I had met with, please don't tell anybody about this diagnosis right now. I'm not ready to make it public. And I said, okay. So I went up and I just figured, okay, he'll pray over me and that's all there will be. I'll just sit back down. He started prophesying over me. And he said, you have a problem in your, in, in your abdomen. And I nodded. He says, it's in your intestine. I nodded. He says, you have cancer of the colon. I nodded. He started to pray prayed and I felt this the only way I can describe it, it was kind of like a tornado of warm wind and, and just stirring in my body and it just it filled my entire torso and I picked my head up and I thought I feel better I can stand up fever went away and I stood there and I, I didn't need to lean on the walker anymore and I stood there for a long time I why well, you healed other people and I went home and I remember going home and saying to my husband I think your wife was healed tonight and he looked at me he said what do you mean I said the new minister prayed over me and I felt a stirring in my body. And I really, really feel like I've been healed. Three days later, I had surgery. 
and um, the doctors came, the, the surgeon came out and talked to Tad and said, if they hadn't put the tattoos in on the, on the colon, on either side of where the tumor was, I would not have known where to cut. And when he cut it, he took it out, he said, there is no sign of cancer at all in this section. They sent it to the lab, and the lab said, there is no sign of cancer here at all. Amen. And so you, you're listening to us, you're watching. God heals. You still have hope. It's not over. Uh, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did for Mary Lee, he'll do for you. If God can heal of cancer, he can heal your checkbook. <laughs> what I'm saying? I mean, there's just no limit to what God can do. And when you give those testimonies, then it, you can feel it. Doesn't it? It increases our our expectancy and our belief in God. That if God can do that, He can do anything. And and you know, hunger, spiritual hunger, is so important. First uh, Corinthians fourteen, you know, one says, you know, uh, pursue love, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And the desire, the word translated desire there is kind of just another word for hunger. You know, if I desire a hamburger, I'm hungry for a hamburger. You know what I'm saying? And so he said, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And, and spiritual hunger does not work like natural hunger. In natural hunger, you get hungry from not eating. Now, don't miss this. But spiritual hunger, you, if you go without pursuing spiritual food, you will lose your appetite for spiritual things. It's just the opposite. God said in Deuteronomy that he allowed his people, the, the Hebrews traveling, to hunger so that he might know what was in their heart so that he might teach them that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that is proceeding. Notice it says proceeding out of the mouth of God. God's still speaking. There is a proceeding word from the mouth of God. God hadn't spoken then stopped speaking. We've just stopped hearing. And so in order to be spiritually hungry, you have to, be, you have to eat spiritually. In other words, hunger is a sign of, of maturity uh, for a Christian. In other words, a growing, maturing Christian. But now listen, just like it is in the natural, if a person says they have no appetite and they're not hungry, what's the first thing? We, something's wrong. Because that's not normal. It's not normal to have no appetite for food and, and not be hungry. Then that's telling us there's a problem. Now, now listen, this is not a rebuke, it's just a, for us to understand this. If you're not hungry for the word of God, in other words, if you're not excited about God, his church, the opportunity to worship God, to read his word, to hear his voice, then there's, it's, it's telling you that there's something wrong. And you're not going to get better by not doing anything. You, you have to, to, to turn to, to the spiritual things. That, that's going to cause that hunger to be revived in you again. And, and, and the enemy is just trying to keep you away from that. Uh, you know, personal prophecy is powerful and important. And I remember that night, um, you know, when we walked out of the building, my, uh, Pastor Johanna asked me to stop by and she introduced me to Mary Lee. And, 
And, uh, and of course, Johanna had told me that Mary Leah told her said that she'd come in. She had that 102 or 3 fever, and it, was, it, it left immediately. And that was a wonderful sign. Uh, cancer's not the big C. Right? Christ is the big C. <laughs> Christ is bigger than that. He, he's bigger than any disease. And, uh, and, you know, that's why the Bible talks about, you know, prophesying. And, and most of the prophetic, I, I would say, I don't know how to, if this is the proper way of saying it, but the bigger things that God has done have, have came to me through prophetic dreams, through the revelation came in that fashion. He does different things with different people. Um, I want us to look in 1 Corinthians 14, if we can just go through some verses beginning in verse 1. I've already quoted it, but it says, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Now, now God's telling us that he wants us to prophesy. Okay? Uh, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. But because no one understands him. Uh, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks, here we go, edification, that means build up. Uh, exhortation, that means to encourage and then comfort to men. Now, I told you, everybody in this room and everybody listening to me on Facebook, you, you, you got to need one or two or maybe all three of those things today. You need to be built up, you need to be encouraged, or you may need to be comforted. Amen. And that's a work of the Spirit. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. But he uses men to speak those things to other men to comfort them, to encourage them, and to build them up. Because it says in verse 4, he, he who speaks in tongues builds up himself. Now, it's not wrong to pray in tongues and, 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 and use that gift that God has available to you. And it just builds. Who doesn't need to be? you building your own self up. You're building your own self up. He who speaks in a tongue builds himself. But he who prophesies edifies or builds up the church. Right? And he says, now I wish you all spoke with tongues. So he's trying to be clear. He's, tongues is not something that you get away from. He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. And then he turned them in another place. I speak with tongues more than you all. And actually he said in, 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 uh, in this same uh, chapter, first, well, actually 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, forbid not to speak in tongues. He says, don't forbid that. So if you're involved with a church that forbids that, you're in a wrong kind of church. Because you've got clear Bible that says don't do that. Do not forbid to speak in tongues. All right, do I have to speak in tongues? I, I addressed this some time ago. No, you just get to if you want to. Okay? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's like being in a car. Do you have to turn on your air conditioner? No, you just get to. But if you want to ride hot and sweat, enjoy it. But it's available for you. Right? Now, he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Why? Unless he interprets. Now, if he, if he interprets it, it's the same thing. The gift of tongues and interpretation is equal to the gift of prophecy. They're both the same thing. We just can't understand tongues. We've got to have it in English. We've got to understand what's being said. And he says, that, but unless the, you know, somebody interprets, that the church may receive edification. Now, down in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 24, he says, the verse preceding that, he was telling them, you know, if somebody comes into your church and everybody's speaking in tongues, he said, they're going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're mad. But he said in verse 24, but if all prophesy, how many? This is one of the gifts that says you can all do it. Now, you don't have to contort your face and, and speak weird or even speak in King James language to prophesy to somebody. And it don't, it, don't, it don't have to go down inside the church building proper. Although I'm a little fearful of parking lot prophecies, because I've had a few of those. 
because there's no there's nobody judging that. There's nobody can speak into what they didn't hear. And by that I mean the elders. Um, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever, everybody say unbeliever, or an uninformed person. So we've got two groups of people. We've got unbelievers, they're not saved. We've got uninformed. That's people that are saved, that are born again. They just don't, they don't know anything about this section because this is a section that where they have been involved in the church, their preacher didn't preach this. Or they've been told that don't work no more. Or they've been told that died off with the apostles. Or they've been told some lie that's not nowhere near the Bible. All right? But he says, so you got an unbeliever or an uninformed person come, comes into your church. He is convinced by all, and he is convicted. The word convicted there means he is it is. He is, uh, it is proven. In other words, you ever heard somebody make the statement, I went to that church, man, that guy read my mail. You, you ever heard that statement? In other words, you, things have been revealed. And look, look what it says in the next verse. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. That's what you want to happen. You want people to fall down on their face and worship God. And one of the ways that God gets a hold of their heart is that he uses the prophetic gift of the Holy Spirit that he placed within the church and that he placed within you to speak the secrets of those people's hearts. Prophecy can come in so many forms and so many ways. And, and it can come like this. It can come, you know, with a prophetic, spontaneous declaration of healing. How, and I remember when we started praying for, uh, for Mary Lee, that night, and they and I had just given a testimony about a lady being healed of degenerative bone disease and so forth, right? And so I have given that testimony, and I, I and the lady used a walker and all that. And so here comes this lady, uh, Mary Lee Barnes, up front, who I did not know. And so there was other ladies in the church that night. I remember that began to gather around her and begin to lay hands on her and pray for her, which was proper. I heard some of them praying for her bones and for her joints. Assume, no, no offense, but just assuming she's got the same problem. And that's your problem. And, and I've learned through experience the hard way <laughs> to just in that inward voice say, Father, what is it? And wait. Now, if he don't say anything, I'm going to pray my best prayer with what I know. I'm going to say, Lord, bless and heal this person. That's, that's going to be my best prayer. But when I said that, I said, Lord, what is it? I heard God say to me, abdomen. Now, if you're afraid you're going to miss it, then you're too scared to be used by God because you're putting faith in you and your knowledge and not the Spirit. Lean not upon your own understanding. So that's why I had to step out in faith. I'm just a regular guy. I ain't no Superman. I'm just a regular guy. And I just said and I said, I don't believe you're standing here because of bones and joints. I said, I believe whatever your problem is, is in your abdomen. And as soon as I said abdomen, I heard God say colon. And I said, in fact, it's in your colon. And see, the more I stepped in faith, the more specific and on target God got. Now, now let me tell you about God. And, and, and I don't have a verse that says this, but i got experience that tells me this. What he reveals, he heals. Why would God take a daughter and bring her down front and speak specifically that I had no knowledge of and speak specifically? What did that do for her? It jacked her fate sky high. It jacked her fate sky high. 
And, and, and that's the reason God gives you faith so that you can freely appropriate what grace has freely provided for you. And when her faith grabbed a hold of that, that cancer was evacuated and, 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 and moved out of her body. And, uh, and, and God does it in so many different ways. I remember uh, we had a lady in our church that I pastored at Cornerstone. And uh, I'll try to do this one quickly. But, but we got new people that hadn't heard these stories, right? Y'all don't mind hearing them again, do But I remember this lady was very, very, very close to my wife. And we still love her. We still love them. Um, and she was very close to my wife. I would say almost as if you uh, besties, they call it now, whatever. And uh, they, I guess y'all probably talked every day during that season. And, 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 and I was their pastor. Uh, she, she had gone through a divorce. And uh, it, it was just a tragic thing. She didn't want the divorce, but she was married to a knucklehead. Y'all ever seen one of them? And, and it was just, I counseled them, and, and it done, it just, you know, it just, it just crashed, Okay. And she didn't want it. And she was still believing that, you know, and he, he went out and got him another girlfriend or something, you know. And, but she was believing that he'd come back and everything would, you know, and God would restore or whatever. And, and we had people in the church that was trying, you know, trying to say that to her. And, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so she was just hanging on in spite of everything. She just, God's going to restore him. You know, God, I'm not going to lose my marriage, whatever. And, 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 and it was just a horrible time. And she talked to my wife every day. Well, uh, it, it ended. And I remember I, I, my wife told me on, I, I just remember that day being vivid in my mind. Uh, when she told me, she said, well, you know, her, her divorce is final today. And I looked at my wife and I said, this is going to be the greatest and the worst day of her life. It's going to feel like the worst day ever in her life. But it's going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to her to close the book and turn the page on this chapter and move on with what God's got for her because God's still got blessing for her. And it was the worst day, and she thought it was the worst day, but I declared it was the greatest day, not to her, but I just knew it was. Now, it wasn't long after that, just a few, uh, I would say weeks, maybe four, five, six weeks. Again, God came to me you know, in a dream on a Saturday night before I went to church Sunday, and I saw this lady in my dream. And God showed me that the dream of her heart had always been to have a little girl, have her own little girl to dress her in little frilly dresses and, and just ha have her, that was a dream of her. I, had, I did not know that. And, uh, and, 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 and then in my dream, I saw her pregnant and I saw her give birth to a little girl and I saw the little baby, I saw the girl clearly as I see you. And, uh, and I awoke with the Spirit of the Lord on me and God told me to prophesy to her the next morning. Now, you got to understand, I'm fixing to prophesy a baby to a woman that ain't even got a boyfriend. See, y'all sitting there looking like that was easy. <laughs> so I go to church, and, of course, I see her there, kind of one of those things like, God, if she ain't here then, I know, you know, it was pizza I was eating. And not. She's there. All this is on tape, and I call the woman out. Remember when we used cassette tape? I called the woman out and I prophesied to her. And I said to her, I said, God, you know, just what I told you. God said to dream your heart to have a little girl. I saw you uh, pregnant. God said if you don't relinquish the hope that's in you, you're, you're gonna, you're, the day comes you will hold that daughter. And I prophesied a child to her. Now, in 34 years of ministry, I've only prophesied children to two women that wasn't married. And, and God did both of those things. 
Now, I got enough sense to know that God's going to give her, when I was prophesying a baby, how many knows that God was also prophesying a husband to her? A covenant man. Okay? And, uh, but I didn't have to say that in my prophecy. Because <laughs> we got a Bible. <laughs> Come on, y'all. So, so time goes by. She meets this guy in our church. Uh, I wish I could tell you more about that story. Just don't have time. But she marries this guy. I marry him. And, and then uh, they set about to fulfill the prophecy. You got to work with God now. You got to put faith into action. She gets pregnant. Now, she's told by doctors that she, is, she can't get pregnant. Okay? That's what she's been told. But, and and she's, she wasn't an old person. I got to be careful here. But she was approaching that age that's kind of dangerous. If you're going to have one, you better hurt and have one. That kind of deal. Are you with me? She wasn't some 20-year-old. And uh, it just wasn't happening and wasn't happening. And then finally, and we're, we're praying and believing God, and she gets pregnant. I don't remember how long. It was just a month or so. She carried the baby. Spontaneous miscarriage. Okay. Her body just rejected the child, and, and that was the end of that. It broke our hearts. Because you can imagine how excited my church got when they found out that she was pregnant. We were like, hey. Do it, God. Go. And then she loses the child. Okay? Broke her heart. And you just try to go, well, go, you know, keep on. Let's go. Months go by again. She gets pregnant again. This time she carries the child another month or so beyond what she did the first time. Same thing happened. Lose the baby. Now, after that second occurrence, they, they scheduled an appointment with me because I'm the one that prophesied it to her. Now, they're being told medically that all this ain't going to happen, that she cannot carry a baby, okay? Some of y'all look like you're scared. If you don't want a pregnancy, God's not going to make you pregnant just because I'm giving testimony, okay? Some, there's somebody in here, though, that wants a baby, and God's going to give you one. But listen to me. They, they come to my office, husband and wife, and they sit there, and they're just tears of crying, and, and they're just broken and shattered and... and and, and there's a verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 where the Apostle Paul told that church, despise not prophesying. Because this is the moment. The reason he said despise not prophesying because you're going to get the opportunity to despise your prophecy. Okay? Because many things God will speak to you will be the opposite of what you'll be experiencing in the moment or in the future. And you'll have an opportunity to despise prophesying. So that's why he tells you don't despise prophesying. Don't quench the spirit and despise not prophesying. So all I could, I didn't have the answer to them. I didn't have the answer to what was going on in their life and why she was miscarriage and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and so uh, then they even tried uh, in vitro and stuff. They were trying, they were, they got, didn't they get into that? No, no, they was about to. They were, talk, they were discussing that. And, uh, and all I told them that day in my office, you know, and this is a time where, why, you know, I'm, after they leave, I'm thinking, like, why can't I be a normal pastor? Why can't I just knock it off and just preach Jesus three points in a poem and say the prayer and go home? Why do I got to put myself in these kind of positions where I got people all brokenhearted? I mean, I'm just getting tired of this, you know? See, that's why you can despise prophesying. And I, I just remember, you know, after they left, you know, just, I, I didn't know what to tell them. And all I told them when they was in my office, I said, listen to me. I said, all I know is I, I, I saw your child. I saw your daughter. I saw you hold her. I already saw what she looks like. 
And if you will not relinquish the hope that is within you, the day comes that you will hold that daughter. I said, that's all I can tell you. They got up and left my office. Months go by. They began to discuss maybe going in vitro. Didn't have to. She got pregnant third time. Man, I stuck some prayer warriors around that woman. Though. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I don't mean like y'all, you know, pray for us. I'm talking about I made covenant with a few people. Will you make a covenant with me to pray for this woman every day? That this, that, that this fulfillment will come. And I didn't need many. I just had two or three. And, 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 and so that, uh, you know, she went full term here. And I remember the day that he got the ultrasound. My wife come tell me. She said, it's a girl. Now here's the man of God. I said, I told y'all it was a girl. Glory to you doubting the man of God? Y'all ain't like y'all excited because it's a girl. I said, I didn't tell you it was a girl. I prophesied it was a girl. <laughs> really on the inside, I was going, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Somebody said, well, what would you have said, Pastor, if it would have been a boy? I'd have said, there's a girl coming after this one. <laughs> she gave birth to a little girl. She looked just like what I saw in my dream. Her name's Mary Alice. She is absolutely beautiful. How old is Mary Alice today? If they can guess, how old is she? Caleb's age? 14. She's been in every beauty pageant all over the world, seems like to me. You can look her up on Facebook. She is just awesome. And she's got a connection with me that nobody can ever take away because I saw her for her mom and daddy did. <laughs> I didn't see her before the Lord, but I saw her right there close. And her mom and daddy told her that story. I remember the Sunday we dedicated her in our church. And I didn't ask for nothing, but her mama came with that cassette tape prophecy when she was a single woman without a boyfriend, and yet God is telling her that the dream of her heart shall come to pass. And she said to me, she said, Pastor Dale, before we de dedicate Mary Alice today, can we play this prophecy? I said, yes, ma'am, it's your dedication. And we played that prophecy. And my church got to hear a prophecy to a single woman who had gone through hell, broken. I wasn't even sure. I told God, I said, you telling me to prophesy to her about a baby, and that means she's going to get a husband. I ain't sure she wants another one. Husband, that is. And she never had children. And uh, so we played that. Man, I felt the faith in our church go sky high. Because you know what people decided in their heart that morning? If God can do that, he can do anything. If God can do that, he can fix what's going on in my life. In my, he can do anything. And, 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 and I've seen God do those things, but it has to be prophesied. I remember we had another little lady in our church. It was a new couple. In fact, her parents were not real thrilled that they were coming to this crazy church, you know, that believes in all this son stuff. And, uh, and I remember, uh, and I didn't know nothing about this couple. And I remember uh, that one night God had me to call, on, call her out, this lady, and prophesy to her. And, and when she stood before me, this is what I heard. I heard feet running like a baby, a toddler. I'm going to say it that way. A toddler running on a wood floor. You know that? And I, and I just said, the word of the Lord to you is I hear the pitter-patter of little feet running in your home. And I mean, she just, oh, because they've been praying and told again that that, that could not happen for them. And uh, I remember that, that uh, 
it was a similar story in the fact that she got pregnant, carried the baby for some time, and lost the child. When that happened to that, that lady, she didn't come back to my church. Her husband continued to come faithfully. It broke my heart because I knew she was just hurting. She didn't understand. And it's very easy to get mad at God. What about those abortions, you know, when they had that, you know, medically they call it spontaneous abortion. I don't mean abortion like the world uses the term. But you, you, you call it miscarriage, you know, where they miscarriage the baby. God wasn't pushing them babies out her womb. God didn't have nothing to do with that. You got to understand that. God wasn't behind that. God's not playing games. Ah, let me just knock this one out and let's get, God ain't doing none of that. Don't, don't you understand something? That there's, that there's somebody else listening to your prophecies at the time that you get them? meaning the enemy, the devil. And he's going to work in opposition of trying you to, see, if he can get you to doubt God, to doubt the hope of God, the goodness of God, you know, like they sung in song this morning, I quoted out the song, you know, if I had not uh, be believed, you know, I would have fainted in my heart if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You've got to believe that you're living not in a dead land, but in a living land, and that all you're going to see is the goodness of God. Now, there's other things to look at, but you don't focus on those other things. And the enemy loves to try to bring uh, uh, things. I, I remember uh, Pastor Junior Jesus preached here uh, for, for me in my absence, I guess in, within the last year or so. But he, uh, I mean, he was the first person, his wife, that, that I ever prophesied to about a child. And I remember... We had prayed, and we knew that three gynecologists had told her that it is anatomically impossible for you to, to have a child. To con it's not going to happen. And we knew the medical facts on that, but yet they were still believing God. And you can believe that our church, we had called, you know, they had come up for prayer, I'm going to say five to ten times, that we had gathered around them, you know what I mean, prayed for them. But I remember one Sunday night I was preaching, and I looked out, and they sat kind of to the back on this side of my my church in those days, and I remember, and it's going to sound weird, but i got to tell you how the real story is, okay? Y'all good for weird? Um, see, you can do anything weird as long as you get through, cancer's gone. Now, if you just do weird and you know, all we got is weird, then we're going to bring a halt to your weirdness, okay? Because we're not into weird. I mean, why can't we be normal, supernaturally? And I remember I looked out, and all I can explain to you is like a shaft of light. It looked like that thing on Star Trek. They finna beam him up or something. But it was right on top of, of uh, his wife. And I remember when I saw it, and I don't know how you know this stuff, but you know where it goes off. You just know. And, I, and, I, and as soon as I saw that, I stopped and I said, I want you to come up here. I want to pray for you. And we had the little stage. You didn't have light. And I stepped down and got right in front of her to pray for her. And I stepped into that light with her. And I lost sight of everybody around in the, in the building, even the church. We were standing in that moment. And when I was looking at her, I saw a white rose that was closed completely up, just like that. And I saw it go full bloom blossom right in my face. And when I saw that rose full bloom, I heard the Lord say, Thou shalt bring forth a child. And I began to prophesy that baby and what God said to me in that moment. And all of it, by the way, was recorded. Because we believe that once you get a prophetic word, you're handed a recording of that so you can make war with your prophecy in the future. Okay? So uh, it was, we handed the recording to them that night. Now, I remember that night when I left church, and in those days, I'm the lock-up guy. Okay? Thank God for our deacons and all to help us out. And, and I love y'all, man. Rick, 
Trish, thank y'all. A lot of times I'll be in here talking to some of y'all and they're about there just patiently waiting. They're not flicking the lights on and off on me up here, you know. All right, Pastor, I'm hungry. Come on, you know. But I remember that night when I drove away from the church, I felt like the biggest idiot that I had just publicly prophesied to a woman that's been told by three gynecologists she can't have a baby. And people was already saying I was a nutcase. And parents on both sides didn't come, of the wife and of the husband, did not come to my church and thought I was a little bit out there. So they were not pleased that their daughter and daughter, you know, was coming. <clears throat> they didn't hate me, but they just wasn't for what I was up to. And so that wasn't going to help me none. And I remember driving down that road, the little street in Sparks, and I, it felt like I had a thousand demons in my car, in my truck. And all I could hear was, what if she don't get pregnant? What if she don't get pregnant? What you going to do then? What if she don't have a baby? And I remember I was by myself, so it don't matter. Ain't nobody going to hear it. So I just hollered loud. I said, what if she does? I just started hollering, what if she does? And when I said it the first time, when I screamed real loud, because I'm in the truck by myself, it's dark, nobody's going to see this. I screamed, what if she does? The Spirit of the Lord came strong on me. That's, God likes that. He likes you to move in the opposite of what you're hearing. I said, what if she does? And, and, and so it was not, I mean, 30 days. <laughs> and I remember we came home. Remember when you had the answer machines at your house with the little bitty tapes? You know, you mash the button and the light be flashing and you get your machine. Anyway, y'all too old, too young, something. Now, I remember I came in one night and that little red light was going, you know, and I went over and mashed the button. And she said, uh, Pastor Dale, she said, she's so sweet. She, she, she said, Pastor Dale, she's with the Lord now. And she said, Pastor Dale, this is Laura. I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And this, that's all she said and hung up. She was so timid, so shy. And I remember we were, man, our church was so excited because what the doctor said couldn't happen had happened. All right, so she's pregnant. Now, she had just crossed into the seven-month time period. We're so excited as a church. The Lord woke me up one morning at 5.30 a.m., now, you can, you can believe this, don't, won't make no difference. Just a few weeks before that, I had called her husband out and prophesied to him about, it was really about his job, that he would leave one job, step into another, never miss a paycheck, that God had, so, and all that was came to pass. But also on that, I had no idea what it was talking about. I said that there would be a test that would be coming, but to fear not, for all things would, would be fulfilled just as the Lord had spoken. That was also prophesied to him, and he had a recording of that as well. And so just a week or so after that, the Lord woke me up at 530 and said the enemy is going to attempt to take the life of that baby. And, and then God began to give me scriptures and encouragement to call Junior and tell him. When I, before I could even call him, he called me. I'm awake. been awake since 530. He said, Pastor Dale, he said, I hate to call you so early. Laura's in the ambulance and we're rushing her to Macon. Uh, they think she's going to go ahead and have the, the baby. And they're saying that there's not much chance at this stage that it would live. I said, I'll be on my way. I grabbed this other guy from our church. We took off to Macon Medical Center. When I walked into the room, remember the spies not prophesying. Going through it again. I walked in the room. There sat Pastor Junior, 
He can tell a story better than I can with the boom box. Y'all remember the boom boxes? You know. But the reason he had that in his lap because he had those recordings of those two prophecies. He had the original prophecy that she would uh, have a child. He had the second prophecy he just received a few weeks prior that said they would be a test, but all things would be fulfilled as God had spoken. And he was playing those prophetic words for every nurse, doctor, and, uh, and, and person that would come into her, her to their room. And he was standing in faith. Now, right after I got there, she gave birth to the baby. The baby weighed less than two pounds. I was a paramedic. I've, I've seen that kind of stuff. If you've ever seen a little baby like that, they're covered in what's called downy hair. It's just they, they're, they're so tiny, you can hold them in one hand. And I remember they allowed us to go back to the, to the uh, room uh, and to look through a glass wall and see the baby. And the baby looks like this three or four fingers long. Had tubes, IVs, things in his head. It, it, was, just, it was a horrible sight. And the doctor said, if the baby lives, the most critical time is the first 24 hours. That's a huge hurdle. If it gets through 24, then it's got a 50% chance of, you know, if it will get through the next four, you know, so if we can get past 48 to 96 hours, then it might have a chance. We go back to the room, and all he does is sit there with tears running down his face, playing those tapes. Now, see, that may all sound like, well, that's pretty powerful. But me, from a pastoral standpoint, I'm like, I hate this prophesying stuff, man. But I, it's not my word. And I want to tell you something. When God says something to you, whether you get it by reading the Bible, where someone prophesies to you, whatever, you're going to have to stand in faith over that word. That word's going to be tested. God's not trying to take it from you. God's the one who gave it to you. But you've got to stand in faith. And, and you have to declare to God, well, God, now you promised me this. Come on. See, some of you have given up on the word of the Lord that he's spoken to you 20 years ago, 10 years ago, because your experience is telling you it's not going to happen, it's too late, it's done too much water under the bridge, whatever you've come up with that you have agreed with. And I want to tell you, that's not what God wants for you. That baby lived. Stayed in the hospital three, four months, but she lived. She loves me. You know what? When she texts me now, she's like, she just got married here not long ago. She's in her 20s. Her name's Amanda. But when she texts me or sends me a message through Facebook, she signs it, your charity rose. She knows she's my little rose. That's what I saw that day was a charity rose bloom. See, me and her knows what that means. God will bring to pass what he promised you. But you cannot relinquish the hope that you have in him. Your hope is not in a word. Your hope is in a person. And his name is Jesus. And he is your steadfast anchor. He is your hope. He is your firm foundation. He's your rock. And you stand upon that. And you just proclaim the word. I could stand here all day. This is such an easy topic for me to talk about. My life has been so filled with prophecies. Uh, Y'all got that prophecy back there that you could play? Now, let, let me say this. I'm, I'm going to end with this. Now, I know some of you heard it years ago because I played it. I'm just trying to do stuff to encourage you guys. 
I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I just, and some of you have never maybe gotten a prophetic word like that. And, 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 but if you hang around long enough, you will. You don't get them when you pray for them. You get them when you need them. All right, so here's the scenario for some of you. I'm a brand new pastor in this 1992, the month of March. I just started, founded, and planted my first church, Cornerstone, which still goes today. I planted that church and began it March the 10th of 1991. And it had been a glorious year. Now, I had been part of a Pentecostal denomination up to that point. I had been licensed and ordained in that. I had preached six years as an evangelist in that organization. I loved those people. That's where I found Jesus as a 12-year-old. Uh, you know, and so I had no, no axe to grind with the denomination, but God called me out of that and, and, and to, to start a church, you know, what I would call independent, but the, I mean what I would call dependent. They called it an independent work. I was, in fact, totally dependent upon God. I didn't have no posse. I didn't have no crew. I didn't have nobody to go. I didn't try to. I didn't even invite my parents. All I did is resign. I was on the pastor's council. You would call it an elder board like we have here. I resigned from my church that I had been in since I was 12 years old, and I started Cornerstone Church. So it had been a year of hell on earth. I had a lot of people hating my guts now because I had left the denomination. I wasn't wearing the jerseys no more. I would walk down the aisle at the grocery store and meet people that knew me since I was a 12-year-old that would not even speak to me. And I began to doubt a lot of this Christianity bull. Brother. I, I, it, listen, it used to make me angry, Brother Dale. Brother, yeah. Oh, that's bull. Brother, sister. I mean, you know, because you're getting hurt. And you don't believe a lot of, you know, brother. You ain't my brother. <laughs> And so I was going through a real kind of tough time with all that. But it had been an exciting year. And the church, we probably had at that point 60, maybe 80 people. And, and, and so we had a, a drama team. And, and the pastor of this church over in Moultrie, who I had preached for as an evangelist, asked me to come and bring my youth drama team and let them do a couple of dramas. He had a guy running a revival. I said, we'll go. I didn't even get on stage. I didn't even, I just go and sit out there. And so this guy comes to the pulpit that night. You know, as he introduced the speaker of the evening, and my, I think my, my youth did like two dramas. So this guy comes to the pulpit, and then he, he prophesies over me, calls me out. Now, you got to remember, I had come out of domination. I'm just sitting there. I had, had, I had people, my family had told me I had missed God. I should not left the denomination. I could have started the church, but I should have done it within the same denomination. I had all kind of people had their opinions of what I should have done, didn't do, went, could have. And so I'm in this service, and this guy, I don't know how well this is going to transmit on Facebook, but y'all just have to do the best you can or get your butt down here at the church house where you can hear it. I probably shouldn't say it that way. All right, go ahead with the prophecy. Shall not be able to bring you in 
Amen. That's good. Amen. Now, I know that meant more to me in 1992 than it does to you sitting there hearing it today. But, but I want to tell you that if we despise prophesying and, and don't open our heart to believe it, those are the kind of things and encouragement. I, I probably wouldn't even be standing before you today, honestly, if I had not had that prophetic word delivered to me by a man that I never even heard of. And after he gave that word to me, I, I didn't make any kind of attempt to contact him or build any kind of relationship with the guy. But I had never gotten a word more specific from God than that word there. I mean, how he, he said, I see you, you know, the first part of it, the little first part might have been cut off there where he was saying that, that I, have, I have, you know, I've called you out. First thing he said, I've called you out that I might bring you in. God had called me out of the denomination. It, make, it doesn't make the denomination evil. It's just that, that that had brought me out of the world system, that had brought salvation into my life, could not carry me into the thing that God had declared to me. And, and, uh, and, and so God did so many things. And I just stood there that night, sitting back on a pew in Moultrie, Georgia, where this guy from Augusta, Georgia, Bishop Dutton, prophesied to me, it was the most amazing thing. Can you imagine? I had about 40 of my people there that night, and they were so strengthened by hearing that over their pastor. Do you know I pastored there 19 years before I came here? We never had one fundraiser. Finances were never an issue. God did just what he said he would do. He brought money from the north, south. We, we built a Christian school that still goes in Cook County today. I gifted it to them, but through God. We, in, in, in we started it, bought a piece of property that's now a winery out there on the interstate, 10 and a half acres, started a Christian school. Never had, the building was a half a million dollars over. God just brought money. We, we, we furnished the whole thing with everything brand new. It, I mean, God just did so many amazing things. And it came a time because apostles, a lot of times, apostolic work is you get stuff started, you get it up mature enough, and then you hand it to people. And that's what I did with that school. Uh, them kids probably don't even know my name that go there every day. Do you know my little grandson, Abel Young, next year will go there, according to his daddy and mama. They'll walk him into a Christian school that his papa started in obedience to the Lord. We, we, according to the accounting company or service that done all our books, in six, seven years, we put over a million dollars of resources in that school. This is going to sound like exaggerated numbers to you, but I wrote a check every month for around $18,000 out of the church account, deposited into the school account to keep that, you know, uh, all the bills paid. One time somebody says, do y'all have scholarship program? I said, every kid out here is on scholarship. <laughs> they just don't know it. In other words, it was costing us far more to provide the school than the tuition that they were paying, bring in. But we knew it. We 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 knew it was a mission. We knew it was something that God had put in our hearts to do. And 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 God did so many things. He did just what He said. But can I say to you, there'd be times in my life as a pastor when everything looked the opposite of what was prophesied to me. You know what I'd do? I'd get that tape out, or or now we've got it transferred to CD. Now you know it's safer. And I'd I'd, I'd go to my place of prayer and I'd play that prophecy. I said, now, God, I remind you reverently I do it, but I remind you, sir, what you said through your servant, Bishop Jim Dutton. And I began to, pro uh, began to speak the opposite of what I was experiencing. 
to line up. Paul told Timothy, he said, see to it that you make war with your prophecies. That that was spoken over you, make war with it. Remind God what God promised you. If he promised you uh, a spouse, then claim it. If he promised you a child, claim that in Jesus' name. Remind God. If he promised you financial blessing and, and, and wealth for the kingdom, remind God. He's already promised you health. You don't need nobody to prophesy that for you. That's why he brought healing, because he wants you healthy. God don't want to heal you so you're to be healed. God wants you to heal you so that you'll walk in divine life and health. So you already got a promise for that. You already got promises for so many things in the Word of God. You don't need somebody to call you out. Sometimes you need people to call you out and just to remind you of what God's Word has declared over you. And, and I pray this is in, in, encouraging to you. The thing about prophecy is we all, the Bible says you can all prophesy. Now, you don't have to do it. And let me tell you something. That prophecy there, I wouldn't take nothing for that. Okay? You, you understand what I mean? It's just, it's just sustained me so many times. It's just the word of the Lord. That is a for real prophecy from, a, from God. You know, when I, years later, I remember it was five or ten years later that I connected with that guy. I just said, I just feel like I'm going to reach out to him and have him come. And I did. And I remember when I told him, I said, you don't probably remember me. And I said, you prophesied on me one night in Moultrie, Georgia. And I told him how spectacular that word of, of my life and how powerful it was. He said, well, why didn't you call me before now? <laughs> I don't know. And I remember I would have him come. Do you know that he told me that that kind of a operation, in other words, calling people out prophesying, is not something he hardly ever did. It's not something that he, he, in other words, he wasn't used like that. It was just something that, that happened that night that he, that he knew the word of the Lord had come to him for, for me. And, uh, and so it was just, it, it made it even more amazing. I've had people prophesy, and it was so flaky and nutty and crazy, and it, it was a thousand miles from God saying anything, but they said, thus saith the Lord all through it. And see, you're going to have to learn how to eat a T-bone and eat the steak and lead the bone. Okay? The Bible says meat is for the mature. Milk is for babes. When you want milk, you're eating what's been digested by somebody else for you. But meat is for those that's hungry enough to go out and obtain it for themselves. And I'm praying that these little stories I told you are not stories. These testimonies make you hungry today. Okay? Uh, you know what? If you look up the word vegetarian in the dictionary, the definition is bad hunter. <laughs> Listen, don't send me nothing about your diet. I don't care what you eat, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not talking natural food here. I'm talking spiritual. But the meat of God's word. The meat. The meat is, you know, one time they was asking Jesus, you know, uh, well, don't you want to eat? And he said, I have meat that you know not of. Remember that? And, and, and he was doing something for God. Meat is, is moving in that hunger for God. And, and see, listen, all God wants you to do is just desire spiritual things. So the gifts are there for us. They're available to us. You have access. And just desire it. Talk to God. Almost every Sunday morning, I say almost every Sunday morning, when I, I always pray before I come here. But as I, as I go to prayer on Sunday mornings, preparing to, you know, for here, trying to get, you know, really, God, if there's any last-minute instructions, I'm here for you, you know. But one of the things I often recite is I say, Father, I just want you to know that I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. 
I believe in the gift of faith, the working of miracles. I believe in discerning and distinguishing between spirits. I believe in all these things, Father, that they are available to us and they are for us and they are gifts. Therefore, they're gifts. We did not fast and pray and earn them. Because if we fasted and prayed and got a gift, then it was not a gift, it was a paycheck. But you have given gifts unto men. And I pray those gifts operate today according to your purpose and plan and your will for those that will be in attendance. That's what I pray every Sunday. And I just say, and then some Sundays you come, you go, you preach, and you, you, you didn't see any fireworks. You didn't see, you know, no bomb went off. I love it when a few Sundays ago, like we Crawford and Beck, I had no idea them people were doing nothing on nothing. And two nights before, God showed me a, 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 a dream. And I saw them, that little couple, and he handed them better homes and gardens. God's got some, just so many creative ways to, to reveal stuff to us. It's amazing. And I saw it, and he, and he handed that to his children because he loves them. He loves them. I don't know what's happening. I had to talk to him. You know, he, Crawford texted me yesterday, and I know why he's not here today, but he texted me, told me happy birthday, let me know some other stuff. But one thing he had, he had said, you know, that they were already working on a piece of property, uh, was supposed to have closed, I think it may be last Friday. He had sent me a text on that. He said, don't look, it's going to happen. The owner found out this and that, and he's pulled the, the land from sale. As a pastor, I could just feel their hearts probably crushed by that because they were so looking forward to that piece, that happening to them. You know what I texted him back? I said, don't worry about it. I said, because if this don't go through, God's got something 10 times better than that for you. I said, don't lose confidence. Be encouraged. That land and that house is coming for you. He, he just texts back, thank you, Pastor. Because see, in that moment, when you get the opposite of what you're believing for, your heart hurts. Like, I don't understand, God. Why didn't this work out? Why didn't this happen? I remember when Jennifer over there was showing us houses, and we had finally, after seven years or six years, wasn't it, six years, she sold my property up there in Valdale Road. I had 30 acres and all that. I, I just felt like, I, thought, I told them one time, if I, if I stood by the road and said, I'll sell you all this house for $50, people would just ride by and shoot me a bird. You know, they wouldn't even be, I mean, I couldn't even give it away. And, and uh, I got so frustrated, so frustrated. Why don't it happen? Why don't it happen? I'm God's child. <laughs> I mean, why don't it happen? But when it finally did sell, and, and we, we, had pack, we started packing two different times over those years, and we thought it was sold. Told it was sold. Told it's going. I then went to Lowe's, bought the boxes, and had them taped up. And then it crashed in my feet. My heart's hurt, and I got to go in the house and tell my wife it ain't going to happen. And it makes you think God ain't good. Why don't he come through for a brother? You know what I'm saying? Why don't he help a brother out? And you, you, can, you, can, get, you can turn your anger to him. It's not wise to do that. When it did happen, I remember she was showing us houses. And we had a little window there. We needed to get out of that house. And I wanted to get out of that house and go right into the house that we was going to buy here in Valdosta. And I remember she showed us a property, a certain place. And, 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 and I, but I, my wife would tell you, back then I was just kind of like in a fog of desperation. All I wanted was out. I, didn't, I felt like if I didn't hurt him get out of my house and take that furniture with me, that, that, that thing was going to crash again. I just wanted out and then to another place. And so I, any house that they went and showed us, I said, I'll take this one. <laughs> any, I went in one house and it just didn't even have no backyard and it was just dirt piled up. You couldn't see nothing but a mound of dirt. I said, I'll take this one right here. And, and thank God my wife was like, we ain't fitting to live here like this. <laughs> be staring at that pack of dirt. and the, mm -mm. You know, and I'd be like, come on, woman. This, I mean, this is a good house. 
And then we went to another house, you know, and I said, well, we, we can get this house right here. And she said, well, I'll do this. Make a, and I remember that night, uh, Jennifer called, told my wife, said it, it was already under contract. I'd like to say I said, well, don't worry about it. The Lord's got something better for you. But that ain't exactly what I said. Because, you know, you talk all that smack in your house when you don't think nobody's listening, but God's listening. Let me tell you what, what kept the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Bible says, murmuring in their tents. It ain't what you say in the church house does it to you. It's what you say in your house. Now, see, you can be here, and you know the phrases to say in hallelujah, good morning, pastor, glory to God, and all that stuff. But when you get at the house, that's what counts in your life. Behind closed doors, what you say at the supper table, that's what counts in your day-to-day -day life. And you have to line up your language to line up with what you say you believe. And you got to cut out all that negative and all that, I don't understand. You know, you got to cut out all that mess out. It ain't helping you none. All right? I'm about done. Listen. And so I remember when Jill told her, I just, I slammed that door. I went outside. I turned on some country music, glory to God. And I sat out there and I was just stared at the stars and I'm just mad. You can't talk to God because I'm mad at him. You know, what you going to do? I just, I just blare the music. I just blare the music. Just chinga, chinga, chinga. I just I had it just blaring. I remember my wife, I went through a season of that. And she was like, Jennifer probably heard you. I don't care. Care what Jennifer heard. And I remember she told me, she said, God's helping us. And I remember I looked at her and I said, listen here, woman. I said, best I can tell, we on our own. I said, when it comes to finances, God ain't helping us none. I'm ashamed I ever got that level. So you can go next Sunday and find a better pastor. But that's what I said to her. You know why? Because that's what I was feeling. I felt God ain't helping me. He ain't answering my prayers. I'm under all this load. Finance, I mean, I, I don't understand. God said you love me, but heck, come on now. I remember the house we went to previous to look at that house was a house we sat in, very nice home. But I was like, I felt like a fool sitting in the house. I'm like, we, we ain't supposed to why you haul us out here and show us this house? And I remember the guy had a glass table, a little coffee table thing, I guess you call it, and he had golf balls all in there, you know. And I felt like I was in some fighter's house I didn't need to be in. And I was just wanting, so we kind of sat there and did some strategy and went and looked at other houses. And that house that I wanted, it was a cheaper house. It, it was under contract, couldn't get it. The house that I thought I needed to get out of for that man come home and catch us in here is the house I live in now. <laughs> it's the house I've been in seven, eight years now, whatever it is. Because God's always got better for you than what you got for yourself. God believes more in his ability to provide than you do in his ability to provide for you. And I'm not saying it's not nothing about square foot. But God is a good daddy. And he wants the best. Some of you have heard God will meet your needs, but you got, you know, listen, God meets your needs, you wants you. I mean, God, don't, God, is, God is a God of abundance. When God feeds you fish and chips, I mean, you got to have basketfuls take, left over taken up. Can't God figure out how much fish to fry? Yeah, but he, why, why all the leftovers? Because he's showing you he's a God of abundance. He's a God of more than enough. He's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, El Chipo. You with me? 
And I want you to have faith today. Dust off those prophecies. Play them again for yourself. Then play them for God. If you hadn't gotten one, you got a whole book of prophecies. It's called the Bible. And there's your promises in there. Some of the greatest prophetic words I've ever got is me holding the Bible in my lap, reading it. You know how God called me to preach. He didn't send an angel. But I was in a bedroom of a little single-wide trailer. And I read in 1 Timothy 4. And God said, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example unto the believers. In word and in faith and in charity. And until I come, give thyself to, he, to teaching and preaching. And God called me to preach. Not only did it was a one-day experience. And when I read that, I knew that that was what we call rhema to me. It wasn't Logos written. It was rhema to Dale. And God was calling me to preach. I was terrified. I didn't even tell my wife for years. Three years later before I would accept that call. But God called me and was patient. I can tell you that story. I ain't got time. But I remember one night God rode getting a sub sandwich with me. <laughs> we pulled back up to the little apartments. And I knew it was just like God was sitting there. And I heard God say, son, how much evidence will I have to give you before you'll obey me and preach my gospel? That night I said, I will go. God confirmed that word. But that, how'd that come? Through reading the Bible. God quickened it, as we say, to me. It became my word. Amen? Stand with me. I'm, I went a little OT today. Is that okay? Went past 12. Devil is a lie. <laughs> Y'all okay? All right, let me pray over you. How many How many's got words that you're still believing God for fulfillment on? It's almost everybody in the house. They're happening. They're happening. There's things in that prophecy from Dutton, Bishop Dutton, that I feel like I'm walking in today that I stepped in a few years ago. I, you know, some, some of the things he said in there, it took a while to see them. But I just came to a realization one day, this, this is that that was said. This right here, this that I'm in now, this is that. This is that. And it gives me strength. God's for you. Father, I pray that every prophetic declaration that these people have received from you, the true word of the Lord, whether it's through the promise of your scripture or through the prophetic gift, I pray that they believe you for those things to come to pass and fruition in their lives. And doubt not. Don't look to the left or to the right, but they focus upon you and your goodness. For their hope is not in a word, but their hope is in a person, the word, Jesus. And I thank you for being our blessed hope, our anchor, and our faith in times like this. Thank you that for new beginnings. For today is a new beginning even for this house. I sense it. It's a new beginning. And the, and the praisers are leading us into that new beginning. It's a new beginning. Just as people, uh, the, the stage was filled with new praise team members today. So shall it be the day comes that this, as Ron has said, these chairs are all filled again. This house is echoing with the praises of God's people as we lift our hands in this place and magnify and glorify God. I pray that your people are edified and strengthened today, and I pray that Jesus Christ has been glorified and that has been said in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Turn around, wave at your family. Give them an L.